You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hardcore podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob, and I'm Tom. And I don't know. It, it, we're doing this remote on a program uh, on a platform <clears throat> that allows us to, you know, it's it's the future. We're it's not Zoom. We're, we're doing an audio thing. Do you guys see the same thing I do, where it counts down before uh, I yes. hit the record button and then it yes. counts down? Yep. Did it hit? Did it count zero four times for you? I wasn't looking. <laughs> It didn't, but there was a weird lag before it actually started recording. So everybody at home, it goes three, two, one, zero, and then zero, record. and then zero. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like it was playing games with me. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're going to talk hardcore, uh, but first let's do a couple ad reads and then we'll t- well, you know, hardcore. We got we. Do we want to do big news up front or no? Do we got big news? You got big news? No, no, uh, we don't got big news. Well, then we don't got big news. Let's Nothing keep new. moving ad reads. Nothing changed at all. Everything's exactly the I same. Mean, <laughs> how did I get here? Um, yo, shout you out to... <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, shout outs to Run for Cover Records and Close Cast Get Activities. Fine purveyor of the <laughs> finest of aggressive and not so aggressive music. Go check it all out. Today, we're f- focusing in on Death Witch Inc. and To Live a Lie Records. Guys, everyone loved our micro-machine-style fast ad reads. Keep it brisk. We were going quick. Uh, Tom was by far the most successful of us. Kudos, Tom. I'm a neurotic New Yorker, of course. Trophy is on its way. Uh, this activity, we're not going to race, but but it is another theme, so we can kind of keep the ad reads moving, keep the pulse beating, etc. We're doing just one thing. This is where we're going to our... Thank you. I love... I love... <laughs> it was late on that. <laughs> Apparently, you have to have your phone on to be able to do that. All right, sorry. <laughs> we are going to our fine sponsors, web stores, and picking just one thing. So, I'm going to start at Deathwish Inc. Go to deathwishinc.com. Hit their web store. Today, <laughs> um, All right, I'm going to turn it off now. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm working on the, uh, the, the soundboard. I'll take it all day. I love it. Um, I'm going to direct you to the Ceremony Artist Store. What I'd like you to get is the Ceremony, the L-Shaped Man, the Demo Recordings 12-inch. It's available on Gold Sparkle. I am relatively sure this is sort of a limited version. They did a thousand copies of this LP total of the demo recordings from the L-Shaped Man record that I believe was released on Relapse. Um, is, is that Matador? Thing? Is it Matador? It's Matador. It Matador. I think so. Pat, you're uh, a resident. Because um, 
in the spirit world was uh, was relapse. I believe this might be Matador. You're right. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I was wrong. L-shaped man. But these are the demo sessions, which were released by First Letter Press. Anthony Anzaldo from the band released this. Yo, L-shaped man might man. I think I like the newest LP more, but these last two records are by far my favorite ceremony material. I find the demo recordings for this record fantastic. Um, I think it's really cool. It's a little bit stripped down version of this stuff, as one would imagine from demo recordings, but it's it's still great. Um, this is just one of those bands I find fascinating. This is kind of a cool documentation of that. Please go get it. Um, deathwishinc.com get the ceremony the l-shaped man demo recordings and let them know axe to grind sent you boom boom now i'm moving over to to live go to to live enter the web store this one comes to us from way back in 2013 wow i know i missed this and i think i really missed it because hey, hold on is is somebody drinking a big gulp what is going on right now sorry i was having some iced coffee i didn't realize i was <laughs> yo iced coffee sounds good right now we all we all could use a little iced coffee yeah seriously pat come on some of us you know actually work <laughs> my bad yeah we, we all put on our boots for this recording guys um <laughs> has pat left the mill yet <laughs> um yo the band is called mindless the record is called planet of pestilence this is a band from Austin, Texas. Believe there were members of Hatred Surge in this, but you know, don't take my word for it. Um, this is sludgy. This is blast beats and fast, but it's mostly just ugly, gnarly hardcore. I uh, believe someone pointed this to me, pointed this record out to me a few years ago, and I kind of was like, "Oh, cool." I actually confused it with a Bay Area band from a while ago, Mindless Mutant, who I really liked too, had kind of a, maybe a little bit more infesty vibe. But this is blasts of fast hardcore with sludgy stuff. It's tuned down. I really think anyone who likes ugly hardcore could get down with this. And you can get it on white vinyl. So go to toliveali.com, hit that web store, find the Mindless Planet of Pestilence 7-inch, Get the white vinyl because there's only 100 copies. But if, if it's already sold out, don't blame us. Get the black vinyl. Record's great. If you haven't heard it, go check it out on the, the To Live Alive Bandcamp. Uh, can't recommend it enough. This is like a record that's right up my fucking alley. So shout out. Uh, tell them Axe the Grind sent you. And guys, who's doing next week? Just one. Oh, uh, I'll volunteer for that. Look at Pat with the initiative. I'm I jumping know. out. Stepping up. Stepping up. I'll do the week after that. Boom. <laughs> you didn't have to be voluntold. You volunteered. Guys, how are we doing? How are you guys feeling today? Mm. We're good. I'm good. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. I would but say. Pat, you don't sound convinced, bro. Well, I. I uh, you met people coming for your head with the Han singing for self-defense thing? I haven't even seen that. Um <laughs> I am uh, chalk that up to things Patrick forgot from the last recording session. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm uh, slightly overworked at the moment. I I have a a lot of uh, writing to do, and uh, it, it but it's like three different things. So it requires me to change gears, which uh, it, it, it is uh, it is difficult to change gears. 
That sounds torturous. Do you guys ever find that? It's um, there's a term for it. The term for the time, the lag time, the lost time when you have to switch gears between activities, whether that's as you mentioned, writing projects, or it's like, oh, I was folding the laundry and now I have to clean the dishes. There's this time in between that you lose um, just simply from not maintaining momentum of doing the one thing to completion that uh, that really sucks. I, I It is one of my biggest pet peeves. I would like to do nothing but take my task to completion and then move on to the next thing. I live in that space. It's it's a good space to live in, I think. Um, I, gotta go. I should probably put this away, but it's it's folded. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, now it's Thursday, bro. <laughs> well, then it's like, it. well, I might as well just wear it and then restart the cycle, right? Exactly. I'm with that. Um, can PK I, House? Can I share, can I share some? This is apropos of nothing. Um, you know that movie Sorcerer that I like? We've talked about it probably. Um, yes. I was on the Wikipedia today and working hard. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> so I, I'm overworked. Yeah, it is. So at any rate, I can't believe that I'd never read the Wikipedia. Uh, I'm shocked. So, uh, <laughs> William Friedkin, who uh, did the exorcist and a bunch of other movies. Um, he directed sorcerer and, uh, he, it wasn't an easy shoot. And, uh, there's a scene in it where they, have to destroy a tree. They have to blow up a fallen tree, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the special effects guy that they that who had worked on The Exorcist was responsible for the explosion, but it it didn't work. It it barely damaged the tree, and th- so this prompted Friedkin to reach the services reach for the services of an arsonist from Queens, New York, going by the pseudonym Marvin the Torch, who arrived at the Dominican Republic three days after the call and utilizing flammable materials, obliterated the tree in one take the following morning. Marvin the Torch. torch. (laughs) Love it. Yo, like, here's the thing, though. Like, you're going through this and saying, oh, yeah, they had to blow up this tree. Yo, is that is that where we're at with sorcerers? Like, yo, why don't you just call like a logger? Like, where's where's Tom the lumberjack on this? Like, just get some <laughs> no, dude to so, smash this thing up. Come on. So, so they had to, in the film the only resource that they have is uh, expired nitroglycerin. So they have to blow it up. Anyway, the point is, Marvin the Torch is a cool name. Uh, you can learn a lot from Wikipedia. Uh, and arsonism uh, used to be a vocation that we, we forget about. If I had brought my if I brought my father in here, he could probably talk about arsonists. He knows, but I don't think it's very popular anymore. I mean, if you have to have a pseudonym, <laughs> probably not on the up and up. That's true. Um, uh, I'm excited today to talk not just about uh, arsonists for hire, but to talk about a, an interesting framing, a reframing of classic questions and bob if you were the one that uh suggested this idea and i'll let Mm. you expound on it so it's uh thank you for the the preamble it's ageless questions in different ages and basically the premise is uh anybody who loves hardcore uh has nerded out about hardcore has talked about records with their friends there's questions that you circle around. There's time frames you circle around, all these things. Um, but sometimes those are so hyper-focused and limited to a space that I think 
we haven't moved that question forward. And when I was working through this activity in my head, I actually found that it was really interesting because it, it changed. Obviously, obviously it changes, but, um, but it, it creates some, some cool and interesting diversions and ways to think about stuff. So, so the, the, the basically gist of today's episode is ageless questions in different ages. I'm going to start it off basically with a working exercise to give people an example of what we're talking about. Um, this is the easiest one, leaning into everything we do, leaning into our backgrounds and our leans. Guys, the question of best New York hardcore record of the 80s, I believe, is often talked about. Almost yeah. beaten to death. Would you guys say that's correct? Yeah, I would say so. Yep. But it's one that's fun. <clears throat> and if you haven't had that conversation for six months, 12 months, two years, five years, Sometimes it's fun to kick around the tires and say, well, what do you like more, Age of Quarrel or Victim yeah. in Pain? You know? Yeah, the answer changes. And it changes for some people. There's context that changes. Real quick, survey in the room. Age of Quarrel or Victim in Pain? Victim in Pain. Age of Quarrel. Age of Quarrel. It's very tough, though. That's like a hard one. But, yo, if you've never heard somebody ask that question – um, maybe that's just not something you hear people talk about. Maybe you're into other stuff, but that's like something I know in my world, Tom, I'm sure in your world, Patrick, I'm sure even much to your chagrin, you've heard that question asked. Um, yeah, but it was, it was always the same answer. It, it, it was, it, it, Chromag's, like I said, Chromag's dominated, <clears throat> dominated your spaces. Yeah. Dominated my spaces. It literally from like, I don't know, 1999 to like, yeah. like the, the constant conversation. Probably. I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, honestly, 10 years was about what I was going to say. Um, 99 till Twitter. Yeah. Till super saturation. And then we all got to see it and it's like, God damn it. You guys ruined this. Oh, okay. That said, the super saturation could be said about eighties, New York hardcore. Yo, I love it. I'll talk about it all day. Let's go. Let's do all that. But I have seen that question moved forward one decade. Best New York hardcore record of the 90s. Where, what are some of the answers you guys would give? Because I've heard it. I've heard Marauder Master Killer. I'm going uh, Madball Set It Off. Madball Set It Off is probably my answer that's like just easy, like duh. Um, there's quirkier answers, you know, if people want to get. I, I try not to play on the fringe of the 90s where it's like, well, I really like the. Uh, the Citizens Rest 7-inch or the Burn 7-inch, those are like, those are kind of like fall over from the 80s that just happen to be in the 90s. Desperate um, Measures. Leeway Desperate Measures. You'll see about 91, even though it was supposed to come out earlier. Patrick, any other ones that you would throw in the New York Hardcore of the 90s best records conversation? Yeah, you can, you can guess. Scratch the Surface. Scratch the Surface. Oh, yeah. So hey, this, hey. That, that might portend a question later on. Yeah. Any so, Albany records that you would consider New York hardcore records that make, make the cut? Uh, I feel like Stigmata um, is a New York hardcore band. You know what? I I wouldn't because no. they wouldn't. <laughs> and I, I, don't, tribe, yeah. I, I don't need that. I don't need that trouble. <laughs> so, yeah. so here's and, and that's going to portend a question I have for both of you on the same level too. So that said. Oh, and Tom, uh, there is quite a few people who would say Indecision Unorthodox would be in their best New York hardcore records in the 90s. That's, pu- that's a pure fact, it. yes. Nice um, to be wrong. 
that said, there's the crown of thorns there's, record. The crown of thorns record. There's, there's a ton of stuff we didn't even mention that I think people would throw out. Um, weird, but, weird era for New York hardcore. Weird era. If, then you, we have not, and we, we typically overlook this band because <clears throat> they became an internet meme. But there are still there are people who have uh, led a twenty-five to life resurgence uh, twenty-five years later. Yeah. So I mean, there's fucking uh, H2O records. There's fucking you know. There's a lot. The Civ record, you know, set your goals. Oh, uh, that, that was my short list. Right. The convo has come up. I don't know if we put that into the ether, but like set your goals versus start today, which one's actually better. Right. And there's like, there, that's up for debate now, which to me is, I, it's like I, I would never it's have like thought that would be to a, say it out loud. There might be people who I mean, think, think about it, say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. If you go fucking song for song, you might not be, you know, it's not as, as crazy a concept as you may think, but like, I would say this. I ha- I would say this. Um, start today track to track versus set your goals is going to knock it down. It might. It could be. It's not going to be a sweep though. It's it's probably a ten to two or nine to three style victory. But it's hard we because all of us have start today so embedded in our goddamn brains. When's that last time you put on start today to just like. I'm just going to listen and like osmosize this record. It's, it's just a very, very good record. It's like, Oh yeah, I know every single word to this whole record back to front. And I think all three of us would say that. Yeah. Um, do, do we consider shelter a New York hardcore band? Well, and this is where the nineties best record. Cause it's like does shelter count. Does quicksand count? You know, um, well, if it does, then we got an answer. Then we yeah, got answers. Yeah. Then things are massaging, uh, shelter. <sighs> I mean, I, I, I know I don't from NYC is how they'd be billed on flyers. You know, it's true. I'm I, saying I, 95 I, and before, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? Then they're still in the running. Sure, sure. Are I, you so, going for what? Attaining the Supreme? He's going mantra. mantra. He's going mantra. Yeah. I, so mantra's 95. I, I, attaining the Supreme is is certainly worth it to me, though. That's that's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good records. So, anyways. We've heard this conversation. We have had versions of this conversation. Um, but the conversation we've never had, which is ageless questions in a different age, is what are the best New York hardcore records of the early of 2000 to 2010? It's a weird question, right? I don't know if I can think of many. I the, think they're all done by non New Yorkers. Yeah. Um, so you get Long Island stuff, right? But so so at the end of the decade, you get the backtrack um, yes. demo and this first seven inch that. And when was that? 2008, 2009. Okay. Yeah. To, but maybe, all their big shit came after. Their LPs were all later. Um, yeah. But the, the de- backtrack demo was a big deal, you know? Um, and then it was um, Deal with the Devil was, was also like a thing. So that's 2008, 2009. Uh, those probably deserve a place in the conversation. Absolutely. Um, what else? I mean, then there was, I mean, there was um, a lot of it was Long Island. I mean, the best New York hardcore was being done from like Canada. Right. No, no question. Well, in Texas. Uh, with Bay yeah. Bitter End yeah. and the first no the first Iron Age LP. Um, I mean Crime and Stereo put out some great records, but like does the first so Incendiary really, really hits their stride with Cost of Living, but Crusade comes out in two thousand nine. 
Yeah, I don't even think they'd put that in the in in the conversation. There, I don't right. know. It's hard to say. But, but they still play a song or two off of it, I would imagine. Right, and then you go, okay, well, pulling back from those influences, uh, Tom, you had Most Precious Blood at the very beginning of the 2000s. Oh, it was 2002, yeah. There you go. Well, 2001. 2001? So, <clears throat> 2001, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. But New York was in a really different place because you talk about the bands in New York City. One, most of the bands weren't in New York City. Most of the bands were in Long Island. What what let's let's kind of break this down because this is where the fun conversation happens. Was there any impact of the fact that Williamsburg and hipsters got so big in New York City that it negatively impacted the hardcore kid population? Oh, wow. Sure it did, yeah. Cuz instead of moving to New York and doing like a hardcore band, even like even graduate clever, high school. Like doing yeah. Right. Even a clever, even what started to happen in the late 2000s, early 2010s, they're like, I'm going to move to New York city and I'm doing a loft core band, you know? Yeah. The early 2000s, that wasn't happening. People were moving to the city and doing fucking electro uh, clash bands. Correct. Right. And like lo-fi records and not buying fucking that's right all of a sudden if you didn't if you didn't have the wire records uh wire was the minor threat of williamsburg 2001 (laughs) (laughs) 12xu so i'm asking what are the best new york hardcore records of 2000 to 2010 because it's it's tough to find i i don't even i don't have great answers um you know what Madball records came out? I, so I there's there's at least it's, there's a bat, I mean Empire comes out during that period. No, um, but in the early aughts, I feel like what's the um, um, hold it down was hold it down is two thousand. So hold it down right now is Might our be. is our crown yeah. right? That's the yeah. best hardcore record of the two thousand came out in June June twentieth and two thousand. So the best hardcore New York hardcore record for the twenty two thousand to two thousand ten came out in the first six months of the first year. Right, and then it's like, are we doing ourselves a disservice not digging into the AF records? Like, is is Dead Yuppies or Another Voice or Warriors a top ten New York hardcore record of that decade? Yeah. Maybe, um, you you want to hear? There's also, there's you want to hear what right? old is? Yep. It, 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 would you like to hear what old is? Yes, of so, course. <clears throat> I was just looking. Oh, what what year was that Ragman record? Right, because oh people, oh people, that record's actually really good. People love Maybe. it. Here's the, here's the thing. In my head, I was like, that could be a 2010. That's a 2003 record. That's well, a so, long time. That's, that's crazy. That might be in my 2000 to 2010 range. I wasn't sure if it came out. I know the vinyl came out later. That might be 2003. I guess that that works. So um, everybody, I I think we should actually explain explain what this band is because it it really th- this one is not like if we talk about Sub Zero being overlooked. I think that uh, Ragmen are are probably criminally overlooked. Um, yes. Kind of. A, uh, a, a super group? Is that fair? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Was it Mitch Busky? Yep. I literally um, looked it up and the first thing says Ragmen, a, a hardcore metal super group. Yep. Okay. Bulldogs <laughs> in it. Yep. Uh, 
Rick Ross. Oh yeah, Bulldog, Bulldog was in it. That's right. And Jorge, I mean, dude, that is a super group. That's a fucking super group. Okay, so so there's that. <laughs> Tom, me and you are missing one, and I, I we're it's almost funny that we didn't mention it. Uh, Kill Your Idols has to have a record in the top New York hardcore records of the 2000s, right? Because, but um, if I'm speaking personally, my favorite records of theirs are all from b- prior to 2000. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Like, um, this is just the beginning. Is my favorite Kill Your Idols material or the self-titled 12 inch? Um, but there's people who who ride for Funeral for a Friend. There's people who ride for No Gimmicks Needed. Um, those records. Yeah, were, were I, I'm more of a late 90s guy. I think. Me too. Me too. But I think they probably they deserve a moment in that conversation, just not for nothing, because there just wasn't. <sighs> New York went from a place that in the eighties just felt like you couldn't, fl- you know, uh, good hardcore bands were cicadas. Um, the nineties it was a smaller batch, and then two thousands it was the herd was thin, um, and so that's why I pose the idea of like did. Did hipster culture kill New York hardcore, at least in a form? Because, yo, none of the old dudes' band stopped. They all kept going. No, there's no. just a couple generations where you're like, oh, instead of there being like a band of cool 22 to 25-year-olds in doing a New York hardcore band, they were doing lo-fi bands in, you know, uh, warehouse spaces in Queens, you know? I bet you we're missing something. We're going to be like, duh, of course. But that's okay. Now, here's the here's the final thing, because we're going to pivot away from New York Hardcore because we do New York Hardcore all the time. Best New York Hardcore records of the 2010s. Got to be uh, backtrack the darker half. Okay. I think that's a great – That's I mean, they deserve a lot of note. Um, Cost think, of living. Yep. Uh, that Warthog 7-inch from a few years ago is awesome. Yes. That band's yes. great. <laughs> um, I hope they play – I mean, it, uh, and when we come back, I hope there's more the yeah. crossover with them playing more like – More hardcore, hardcore shows. Not yeah. hardcore shows. Not to, not to dismiss the shows that they play. Yeah. No, no, more, more club hardcore. I, I don't know what kind of kids that are going to see. Like, There are a ton of kids that go see Hank Wood and the Hammerheads. Yep. Oh, yeah. I oh, just yeah. don't know any of them. Well, They're well, huge. Hold on. Maybe we should explain this for listeners. Sorry. This is, this feels like we just take it on, we take it as an understanding. It's always good to explain it. Someone doesn't know. So everybody, New York, New York isn't like maybe some of your scenes. If you're in a quote unquote B market where basement shows are a thing or uh, VFW shows are a thing in New York, you have club shows and then you have more obscure club shows, and then you have lofts. And w- a lot of the bands that we don't talk about a ton, uh, but like Hank Wood, you know, th- those bands, th- they started as, as more loft bands, and now I think they may play at least a, a, a number of the kind of like uh, outer borough clubs maybe, but it... Yeah, they've th- outgrown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also that loft that loft scene is, I, I think, changed a great deal uh, because those spaces are are now <laughs> worth a lot of money. But yeah. the, the uh, but the point is that uh, it, it, it's uh, if we ever talk about New York and and we say, oh, I wish they'd play more hardcore shows. That's just because the club hardcore shows in New York are what what we broadly think of as hardcore shows. It's well, not. It, 
there's there's not like I just want to make it clear that there's not like the basement to club delineation that there no, are. No, no, no. This is this is this is to me more more what are you wearing to the show delineation between punk shows and hardcore shows. You know. Yeah, that exists too. So the same show could happen at uh, Music Hall Williamsburg, and it's um, Haram playing, or it's Backtrack, and yep. you can go, and it's completely different different shows and different audiences, and maybe that's the way it is in a lot of towns, but New York especially, you feel the bifurcation greatly. Um, and yeah, you know, I think Warthogs just, I mean, if you listen to them, they're they're just a hardcore band. Musically, it's straightforward, fast fucking hardcore. It's great. Um, speaking of other New York stuff, the Kulu maximum se- penalty. the Maximum Penalty record they did a few years ago. I was going to say the Kulu 7 Inches. Oh, there oh. you go. Put Maximum Penalty in the, the OOs. I was going to say yeah. both those are Kulu 7 Inches for the last 10 years. Really good. Oh, I, I'd put them right in the conversation. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting, but I really like those Akulu records. We'll put them right in the co- that conversation. Yep. Uh, regulate. Um, I think they deserve a big spot here. Yeah. Yep. Keep doing it. King Nine uh, record. King Nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2010s have been, I think, incendiary. It's been a step and, back. Yeah. Step back. Yeah. Oh. Backtrack and incendiary were kind of like the Bridger bands that like yes. brought the OOs till now. Well, because, yo, here's the thing that's crazy. Is it Mind Piece? Like the Mind yeah. Piece demo might get a note in the 2000 to 2010 Best of New York list, and that's a band who lasted maybe a year. Very, very buzzy. Very buzzy. It was pretty good. But then you listen, and it's like, yo, King Nine smokes that. Smokes. Right. And it's, well, I mean, I know Dan was in both. Yep. But I don't know how, you know, how who else was, I don't remember who else was in it. Me but. neither. But so it's just like you see that step forward. Um, and, and New York just has had a more, um, the last 10 years were better. You know, if we were going decades, yeah. 80s, 90s, there's going to be fans of both. I go 80s, 90s, 2010s, 2000s for the best decades of New York hardcore so far. Um, and we'll see what this one has, the 20s. Uh, the roaring twenties, but, but so you guys get the idea, everybody who's listening, yeah. thank you for sticking with us. That was a long example, but that's this game. Ageless questions for different yeah, ages. We got to remind folks in there too. I know. Do you, I know they like to think they're Hudson Valley. They are Hudson Valley. Danny are hardcore. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good. They, they can say what they want. Does all out war go New York hardcore or no? I mean, if, if, if uh mind force does, then certainly, but I, I don't sound wise. I don't hear it. You know what? If Marauder can be, then then no, all that can be. Yeah, fair. All right. Say no more. Yeah, we're New York's getting broad with their, especially if you can kind of say, "Hey, we live in the city." You really get some some leeway with what your sound yeah. is. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. So hey, uh, you guys have some ideas on this too. Why don't you yes. take one off, uh, Tom? Why don't you kick us off? All right, I'll save Pat's one for the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right. I didn't think I didn't think this was an easy task. I thought this was it's a, not an easy task, but it's fun. Mm. I don't know what they do on. I'm sorry. I'm watching like the Nick game is on, oh, yeah. and they do these weird shots that look like a video game during the game. Really? Unless I'm having like Ugh. unless I'm having like a stroke. Don't have a stroke. It's like some weird like camera angle that it literally looks like everyone in the back is blurry, and all you see is a clip where. Yo, that's here's good. my first one. Yes. Um. When I mention the 1980s, what's the most icon? What's the first record cover that comes to mind? 
for me, it's the uh, minor threat. Um, you know, the seven inch cover. Sure. It, it, Tom, ask ask again. What era did you just say? What I thought you nineteen eighties. Oh, we're gonna go through the eras. Come on, man. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's either the minor threat. I mean, to me, it's out of step. Uh, but it could be, you know. But 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 the uh, also you've got as terrible as it is uh, the negative approach cover, which True. I know, True. I know a lot of our listeners find charming. It's to me, it's yeah. Okay. It, it is what it is, but it's not good. And, uh, what about the roar, set, the roar, the roar tape. Oh, yep. Lightning struggling. Oh capital. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. I feel like that's number one. It's I don't right know if there. it's number one. It's right there for me. It's right there. I'm trying that, to think that, that like minor possible. threat. Age of Quarrel, um, Black Flag Damaged, uh, Black Flag My That's War. True. Somebody, somebody would be mad if we didn't say Descendants. Milo goes to college. Um, true. Yes, I mean, I'm trying. Uh, I mean, break down the walls, maybe. Grill biscuits start today, maybe. So a ton. Yeah, there's a ton. Yes. Spoiler alert: This gets harder. Yeah. Oh, I like this. This is a good one. I like this swing. All right, so 90s. Name some of the more iconic ones that you can think of. Okay, even ones I don't love. Uh, Strife One yeah, Truth. Yeah. Strife One Truth. Um, okay. Destroy the Machines. Yep, Earth Crisis, Destroy the Machines. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And as stupid as it is, Firestorm is yep. because because the record is so important, the, the art, which is not particularly good, is seared into your mind. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh right. hold on. What's um, seven inch out? Um, Quicksand slip. That was going to be my favorite. Yeah. Siv hold set on. your goals. <laughs> um, uh, his hero's gone. I had a lot ooh, of awesome his hero's covers. gone. Um, is it plot uh, thickens? I think. No, here's the mo- here's this has got to be in the top three. Humanity is the devil. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. That's a really good yeah. one. Um, okay. Uh, do, 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 do. there's one that's really <sighs> blood for blood living in exile sticks in my head just because I've seen that tattoo one bajillion times. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a good amount, there's a good amount, not as many as the 80s, and they don't feel as classic. No, and here, what about the 2000s? Okay, <clears throat> I have one that pops in my head. Can I say it? Please do. Yes, Jane Doe. Oh, Easy. good one. Yes. That's a definite. good one. Uh, I feel like that's like when you think of the 2000s, I think you think, I mean, most people, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm saying most people, I could be totally wrong, mm-hmm. but I think that's the 2000s record. Uh, American Nightmare, uh, we're down to, no, no, um, uh, uh, background music. Background music? Yep. Yep. See, but see, I love that record, but I don't know if that cover stands out. The colors from it, the very subtle text, and then the dudes, like, yo, I know what the cover image is. It's a dude's jacket. It's got stuff written all over True. it. Blah, blah, blah. But like, I think. What about that second seven instead with the angel? That's great. I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's a great, it's a better cover, but I think background music is yeah. more known just because it was the bigger record. It was the LP, it was the LP, all that. Um, probably the American first American nightmare seven inch with the angel, with the, you know, painted flag background is their best of that era. But, um, but yeah, okay, let's see. What others? 2000s. Um, probably the Carry On, Life Less Plagued. We're getting a lot of Jake Bannon here. Yeah. Um, I'm, he I had a thing. Yeah. I, I would say the 100 Demons record is is 
pretty oh, seared the, into my memory. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, cursed Records? Um, oh, the Cursed Records, 100%, yes. Yes. Uh, f- the fucked right, up... Give Blood. Uh, ooh, give Blood, yeah. No, um, I got no, one. No Ill Blood, fucked up this fucked up um, Hidden World, but really the fucked up seven inches, the way they did that iconography. What were you going to say? Yeah, okay. but Hidden World definitely kicked that. It kicked its ass. It's, it's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that the uh, Blacklisted has two. Uh, Peace on You're Earth, going, War on Stage. And then and Heavier Than Heaven. Heavier Than Heaven. Yep. 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 What about um, Songs of Screen at the Sun? The little uh, kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yes. one, um, I mean, uh, Iron Age, um, Constant oh, Struggle. Oh, the Cold World record. God damn. The se- um, first seven-inch, uh, Ice Grills? Yeah, well, d- 100%, but I was going to say uh, Dedicated to Babies, which is 2008. Oh. Yep, but, it is. Uh, I would I'm say both of those others. are right in there. Oh, um, that Ice the- Grills art is terrible, and it's iconic. Iconic. Uh, tragedy, self-titled. Art. Oh, easy. Easy. I also think, straight up, in that genre let's just say that that's like, let's call that crust. Mm-hmm. That's top tier. Top it, tier. Even though it, it black leg bars. We, yes. we, yeah, yes. we got to talk about it. That, that tragedy record is remarkable because it follows the playbook, but does it better. And it's like, like visually. And that's, that's fucking crazy. If <laughs> like, you want to break, if you want to break that record down, it follows the crust playbook, but takes hints from the, like, um, street punk like oi world with just some like like if you look at where the tragedy records is down in the lower corner arched that's a that's like a fucking oi like like coxbar blitz combat 84 style thing to do they just said oh that's cool let's let's apply that like uk 82 shit let's apply that to our record and just took those little hints and nods the high contract it's it's awesome it's just fucking phenomenal oh. artwork yeah they're artwork looking at all of them and there's like a through line yep you can kind of see you know through all the records it's fine um what about 2010s we got anything for the 2010s this is more of a struggle um okay uh turnstile non-stop feeling uh code orange i am king yeah yep uh did, did, i'm gonna go swinging swords shopping lords oh does that count over, or is that over, 20 over Excalibur. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which, by the way, if anybody's never put together the through line of that artwork, please look at those two records together. Um, let's see. The 2010s is an interesting one. I got to think about this for a second. Springtime and Blind. Yeah, I think that hits it. Um, that's a that's a great looking record cover. <laughs> Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! What about Shed? Oh, yeah. Or any okay. of those foiled green, any of those records? 
I think Title Fight Shed. I like the aesthetic of that the most of the Title Fight records. I, I mean, they're all really neat. Um, I'm pretty like Hyperview sure, was kind of, yeah. Hyperview is like a different. They did a, such a different thing with that, but it was like a it was like an aesthetic choice to do something different than what they had been. Floral Green. I'm pretty sure the same artist did that who did Shed. Um, but I like Shed better. Shout out to Posi Numbers. Um, I mean, the Tiger's Jaw fucking pizza one is great. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting where we're having to go. Let's see. Hardcore, hardcore records. Um, oh, and I didn't mention there's some there's some really good look. The, the In the 2000 to 2010, like there's some great, there's a few Locking Out records that I think really look good, like the Righteous Jams Rage of Discipline record that Locking Out did, not the CD reissue. I think that the Justice stuff that Spoiler Drew, Drew looks awesome, uh, especially the first, the Look Alive EP. Um, back to the 2010s. Uh, yo, tough, good and tough question. What are the iconic cover art of this? Like decade? ones that just like pop out that you go, I know what that is. Probably thousand yard, thousand miles there. That's, a, the that's up record. there. That's up there. Um, yo, think about the records not- we didn't we didn't discuss from the 80s. The 90s is a weird mishmash because there are some really iconic ones and some real like good records with doo-doo covers, you know? Um, But like, yo, we didn't talk about Bold Speak Out and whether you love or hate that record, if you see that record cover from across the room, you know what it is. Very true. Um, That's true. But these last 10 years, hmm. Trying to look at the crime and stereo dates. Yeah. Because they had, they might've had some. They're in the 2000s. Mostly 2000 to 2010, I think. Yeah, that was. I was trying to describe you to someone. It's just a picture of Christian's face. Yep, which is pretty. But the Troubled State side record is the one I was. That's that's the one I think is their most iconic cover. Um, Yeah, man, this is a tough question. Yeah, I just when I thought it, I was like, what are the most like? I feel like some like the eighties. I think for most people, it's like oh, boom. You know, it could even be Born to Expire. It could be that like yo, Born to Expire. Right, Jesus Christ. Yeah, a little different. Right, you know, holy shit. Right, like the fucking draw, like it's a painting that Drago's brother made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Madball, but I, Madball set it off. We got to mention for the nineties. We forgot that. Oh fuck yeah, of course. <laughs> this is the Madball Love Podcast. Sorry guys. Um, no, yeah. but I mean that. I mean a fucking kid holding a gun. It's like the fucking. It's you couldn't encapsulate that band and that record any better than I, that. I, the only right, and the only song and music and the only other one is uh, what is it? Cold as life, born to land hard. It's just that cover amped up a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a kid like screaming, like, yeah, yeah, not psyched. Yeah, <laughs> um, yo, the 2010s. I guess what we're doing is we're putting a challenge out, like where the w- w- give us more. We want we want more classic, iconic artwork. There's some that I really what about like. T.Y.? Any T.Y. said? I, I think Secrets of the World stands out. I guess. I think yeah, my favorite T.Y. Say- is the seven inch cover. Yeah, one hundred percent. That them all shirtless on the cover. No, that's, that's the demo. demo. Right? That's the demo. The seven inch is um, the eye. It's the Dan Higgs art. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. That's really cool. Uh, Secrets. I think it's just Secrets and Big Kiss Goodnight are good examples of records that I think are awesome. They certainly have an aesthetic and like a, a look, but it's not iconic. It doesn't. It does. It's not as. It's not as iconic as the records. I feel like very. Go, you know, uh, Devil Wears Prada. It's not iconic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm just like pushing Meryl away. Like, here. Like, Hang up my coat. 
Um, yeah, I just saw Cruella. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, yo, that's a good question. I, I really do. I like the L-shaped man, the ceremony record cover art. I think uh, some of the simplicity really works well. We didn't talk about the Touche records, which I think those deserve notes for their aesthetics. Part in the Sea is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's in the 2010s. I think the sure. Beat of a Dead Horse, which is in the 00 mm-hmm. to 2010, is a cool, cool-looking cover that really had a moment as an iconic record, like Image. Man. You know which one I like that I forgot from the 90s, Bob? I, yeah. I'm curious to see what you think. Jersey's Best Dancers. Yeah, it is. It is, but... I like that vibe because it looked like a jazz record. That's what they were well, going so for. So it's a direct it ripoff cool. of a House Martins record, and oh. that's the only holdback on it. Is the wait? Is it no? It's um, Hello Bastards is the House Martins record. Uh, Jersey's Best yeah. Dancers is a is yeah. It's it's also a direct ripoff, but I like it too. It also reminds me of this Van Morrison record in a weird way. So, um, well, yeah, Moon Dance. Yes, exactly. I can picture it. Yeah, yeah. with the colors and the black and yeah. the text works. Um, any Patrick, you have been quiet for this decade, twenty ten to twenty twenty. Give us some iconic imagery. You had some. It's me being negative. I I don't know if there is much. Um, Come on, no self defense records that had like an iconic. I feel like the the, have you considered is pretty iconic. Oh, yo, actually, Uh, Patrick, it it is. It's well done. It's a very good image. Yeah, that's true. And I would say that our our island records uh, seem to resonate with people, but I don't know if there's a singular image. Like, look, I'm I'm staring at my computer right now, looking at the tragedy record, and I I haven't measured up to that yet. <laughs> so, so like, I'm just uh, the regulate cover is great. The painting, yeah, that's a good cover. That's good. It's great, great cover, great record. So mm. I think that makes sense. Yeah. The you know what the fucking King Nine CC Close Casket record. Yeah, that yeah. artwork's amazing. That's good artwork. Yeah. Yep. No, there's some really good artwork out there. Um, shit. There's a couple others. Even bands, honestly. So, so it's hard because then I think we have to start str- like the Zabalba records, right? Oh, they have. Yeah, they're probably iconic for this time frame. Um, Those are lit for sure. The Twitching tongue. Twitching tongues <laughs> are pretty good. Uh, Gate Creeper has had oh. some really big ones. Wait a bands that I'm not like personally super involved, like interested in, but Gatecreeper, I think Full of Hell has actually had some cool looking records and the records I, I'm not really thrown on all the time. Um, so there's some, there's some iconic yeah, I mean, stuff the product there. in New York thing for Incendiary is oh. a pretty iconic thing now. I, I, don't think, I don't think we can overstate that one Twitching Tongues record. I, the, the, now that you've said that out loud, In Love There Is No Law is, I don't think that that's great album art but i think that it it has been lasting there's there's something to that where people love that so yeah i i'm i'm giving that some some shine now yeah so shout out um keep up oh you know what let's give a nod to the candy lp oh sure it's true because especially well because yeah that continuation from the seven inch artwork so what we're saying is yeah i'm saying like even like the keepers of the faith. Mm, it's sure. just type art, but it's like became you can see that you can see anybody write anything in that font, and you go keepers of the faith. Well, and so so that became the most iconic looking terror record, and is that their fifth LP? I think it is. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Like you uh-huh. see people, it's like you know 
keepers of the emo. Like bands have like ripped that off. But, like you could see that from you know a mile between that and the fucking Larrabee picture with his kid. Well, so and and that's <clears throat> I got to give credit to. Uh, you know, this is this is like a Revelation Records mentality, but it, it rings true, and it's also like fucking Mad Men shit here. But if you can look across a room and see somebody wearing a band shirt, and you can identify what it is because of the color, because of the you could see the text from the other side of the room, or you can just see what the design is. That's good. Right. That's good branding. And yo, Terrorist sure. Keepers of the Faith. You start to see the image of that, and you know exactly what it is. Yeah. And like, yo, uh, there are days when I have to really go, wait, what does this terror record look like? But I never have to do that for Keepers of the Faith. No, and you could be like walking down a lavalette and see somebody wearing a shirt, but it's the Jersey Shore. Yeah. The 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 fucking boardwalk bootleg. So, shout out exactly. to them. Um, make classic record art. That was an awesome twist on this one, Tom. Good job. Thank you very much. Thank you, PK. What you got for us, buddy? So okay, so it's become a, a cliche to make fun of '90s fashion. You know, to to say that in the '90s, like you know, the big pants era. Uh, certainly, headbands were were pretty fucking cringe it's it, it's a conversation to make fun of it you know to look back on it with some fondness but to also kind of step on it a little bit right for sure uh, <clears throat> a thing i've never really heard anybody talk about and i think it's probably because because we don't feel qualified what was cringy in the 90s or pardon me in the 80s like what was what was what was a cringy hardcore aesthetic of the eighties. And do we shoot at bail and just say, yeah, it was all cool. <laughs> it was, it was all no. interesting. I mean, I think bail gets shot though, because it's like, well, you were trying something. I think, yeah. I think it just depends on where your seat on the bus was in a lot of ways, which could be sent anytime. So don't, don't let's not cop out with that. I think the, I think once the new, like, <clears throat> okay, so this is something I always like to talk about is that new wave and seventies punk and the, like I'm wearing sunglasses and a trench coat vibe. When that went away, New York was the last bastion of that. When that went away, it really fucking went away. All of a sudden you couldn't be a new wave kid at a hardcore punk show. So I think that was considered kind of cringe. And if you were, you were looked at like you were a 12 year old, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, that's always been my read on the room. Right. You dress like John Cusack at a fucking AF show. Yeah. 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 Yes. Exactly. Yes. You're holding, the the fucking, John Cusack, yeah, yeah. You're holding the fucking boom box. Uh, so I think that's one cringe. I think that depending on where you were. So for example, um, yo, all right. Shout out to, to Havoc Records. Felix Havoc was a leather jacket spiky punk in DC in 1985. Mm. He was not cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, So, but but you go to other places, and you know that's cool as shit. Um, You you know, New York by by the time New York uh, gets there, nausea dudes dressing crossed. you know, patch flaps, the whole thing that, that look became a cool thing. Um, Daryl Kahan from citizens arrest is in one of the, uh, uh, the Jason movies. 
Is it Jason Takes Manhattan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a punk. In, you know? in one of the few scenes that's actually shot in Manhattan. Right, right. So, so like this. So I think. Oh, so I would say that the new waiver, the new waiver slash 70s punk leftover was, uh, was out of vogue, as was the, like, by but 19- Nazi adjacent. In different spots. Yeah, cringe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people kind of dress Nazi adjacent. I oh, think when uh, you see stuff, you're like, you probably look back on this and wish you hadn't. Well, well, well. I mean, I think there were people dressing like that, but in the time in their scene, I don't think they were cringed at. Oh, you're talking about '80s? Are you talking Patrick? '80s things that were cringe in the '80s, like people no, look I'm back saying, now, I'm or no, because people thought fucking Jinkos were the cool shit in the '90s. Yeah, Nobody well, was through our lens now. Okay, uh, through the lens now, I think then, yeah, uh, man. I mean, yo, right? Like, right now is a real nadir of youth crew fashion, right? Yeah. Patrick, are you? Are you? Do you know some some people who are still holding on? I mean, tell me what when people make fun of youth crew. I think the goofiest thing about youth crew is music. I I actually like those yeah. stupid clothes. Like, well, so so here's the you thing. like a shirt over hoodie. I do. I think a shirt over hoodie is dope. What do you <laughs> think cool. about cargo pants all year round? Cargo pants, you know shorts, what? cargo shorts uh, all year round. It's it's not the it's, look. It's not the behavior of a well-adjusted person. But <laughs> if you've got the calves, like I don't. Listen. Yo, what episode it's, is this? Is this is like Axe to Grind one seventy eight? Did we, Tom? We finally got to a place where Patrick is. In a way, contrarian finally defending youth crew folks. This is incredible. Right, time's a flat circle, and he's come around all yeah. the way around. It's gonna be, hey man, you know what? If you got good calves, fuck it, rock shorts all year round. You could be I'm the weird kid that, really like, that every college had. Yeah, I'm just really like when the way of block X varsity tat looks under a cargo short. What can I say? <laughs> I get it, man. Jordans yeah. just don't look nice with pants, man. Um, oh, you know what? I don't appreciate the sneakers, so maybe I, maybe I'm back against it. See, yeah, like yo, but here's the thing: I don't know anyone who can't appreciate Converse weapons. So whatever, what am I going to do? Um, Ooh, the oh man, so good. Um, I had the bird ones, the black ones, the black ones, the black and greens. Um, yeah. Those are so good. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, that's I a mean, tough think about. Like, I think in the '80s, a lot of people dressed the way they like. If I saw somebody, all right, so like. You know, we always, you know, if you went back to like, say, Roger from that in effect video. Yes. Right. If I saw somebody in 2021 dressed like that, I'm like, homeboy, you were trying way too hard. You cosplaying. Like that dude was like, this is what I own. So I'm going to wear this. And it's a cutoff bad religion shirt that looked like has been through 17 wars. Like, this is what, I, you know what I mean? Like, and I have cut off shorts and 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 flannels underneath. Like you know, I think it's it was more b- based out of necessity than style. Yep. Oh, oh. For I, mean, I, think, I mean, yo, quietly, I think a lot of the '80s fashions that weren't straight up like, "Hey, I'm dressing like a skinhead." Hey, I'm dressing like a punk, or the DC. Hey, I'm dressing like Fugazi. I think all the other looks were either out of necessity or out of just kind of happenstance. I think a lot like 
there's differing stories on the origins of like the youth crew look. But if you if you take it from Ray Capo's mouth, he's like, yeah, man, I, I went to uh, a Salvation Army in like Poughkeepsie and got those uh, Adidas pants or whatever, and I had those Nikes, you know, because I got them. But, in what, Marshall, but what, you know about, what I mean? What about the Kappa pants? <laughs> well, that's where we're <laughs> we're flashing into the '90s, and I think that's a full blown sponsorship. Speaking of, play some music so we can talk about Kappa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like the shot was... Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. You know, you're right, Tom. You you hit something where a lot of the clothing is is more necessity and or style. And we kind of talked about it with the like, Rabies probably found the wise hat on a shelf and went, cool hat. Right. Like punk was more like, I have to dress this. Like you had to go to your way to, out of your way to dress punk. I feel like in the, you know, the 80s, like John Brannon was dressing with what he had. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think even like in the 90s, in terms of like embarrassing things, other than Jenkos, there was a lot of cultural appropriation going on back then. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I don't know if you guys are old enough, but like, there was a time when like there were like these le- folks would wear um, leather, like Africa medallions. Yeah, uh, Tom, I was listening to the to the group Young Black Teenagers yesterday. All white guys, by the way. All white guys. <laughs> All white guys. All white guys. And they definitely, but like the hardcore kids in the early '90s, especially in the New York, New Jersey area, maybe not all New Jersey, but definitely New York, definitely wore, you know, like saw like a Cypress Hill video or, you know, different, you know, and literally were walking around wearing like African medallions and and stuff like that, or like straight edge dudes wearing like Philly blunt hats, yo, and and perhaps. And it does get noted, but like, look, I think the wide pant thing was bad. Um, I think it's an awful look. Awful look. I think the the imagery of it coming back today is really weird. Has it though? Uh, yeah, there's a certain segment that's like doing that imagery, and I think it might just be more like maybe part of it's tongue in cheek and just really liking some of that, so they like it. Yo, the rip off shirt era of the '90s is a stain that is hard to get rid of. That's pretty bad. Oh, the Snapple ones and the yeah. Gatorades and the, ah, oh. the, like the, what's the, the, like the amount of straight edge, um, like, like Andrew novelty. Thomas company. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The like novel Taco Bell straight edge shirts and stuff. It's like, come on. <sighs> yeah. Can't beat the real thing folks. Um, what is, <clears throat> this is for both you. Okay, what is the cringiest fashion trend of the 2000s? Castro hats? 
Oh. My, my shot's pretty fucking bad. No, and I think people, plenty of people I know, love, respect, were in on it. I think the um, expensive jeans were tough. Chin straps? Chin straps were tough. Straps. We got a winner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> jeans too tight, t-shirts too small was tough. Because that was that well, was I mean, the yeah. that was the pendulum. We went from the like, yo kid, nobody makes shirts smaller than XL to, hey kid, we only make youth larges. Sorry. Yeah. So luckily, I never fell into that. But um, but yeah, like that that whole like, you know, grown adult wearing like a like a a, a, a you know young like youth large or youth male shirt. Yes. Like, that never I, – I look back on that. I mean I never did it because I couldn't fit in it thankfully. But like um, just looking back at that, I'm like, you guys are so fucking embarrassing. It was rough. Well, like, We started making that for women just because it was – or smaller people just because we could kind of be like, hey, you don't have to wear a fucking ugly shirt anymore. Like we have shirts that like fit – you know, that we have shirts that run the gamut for everybody. Yeah, yo, I, I – Then it was like we'd get like fucking like 27-year-old dudes being like, I'll take that youth medium. I'm like, that's going to be – you're gonna look like you're wearing a hot dog casing. Yo, I gotta be honest. Patrick could have worn a, a small or perhaps a youth large shirt, and it would look okay on his frame. At the time yeah. in 2001. Yeah, yeah. I was say, not currently. No, no, no. You're a big man now. Um, Double X, Patrick. But but you know, like I remember telling some of my friends who were buying smaller shirts because they were also young. I remember being like. I'm 19 and I'm speaking to them with like some fucking wise sage. Like, yo, don't, don't buy the size under what you think you should be now. Cause in two years, if you actually still like this stuff, you'll be so sad because you grew out of all your clothing. Yeah. Right. And they did. Um, yo, uh, good questions, guys. I, I have one that's a little quick that I think is fun sure. and kind of, um, best orange County hardcore band. Um, Tom, best Orange County, California hardcore band of the 80s. Of the 80s. Fuck. 80s. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy one. When you think of it, Tom, you'll be like, oh, of course. It's, I mean, it's got to be uniform choice, right? got to be uniform choice. Yeah. Patrick, you might decide. Hold on. I'm, look, I'm looking up the years on something. Reason to believe. Are you going to throw in there? Uh, I would put them in there before I, yeah, but hold on. The dudes from Reason to Believe would break a guitar over your head for saying that. I bet. So. I know. I was choosing them over. Well, I was looking up chorus, I, but chorus. Oh, uh, chorus! Play. Chorus starts late, late eighties, but I think the records are nineties. Okay, so so let's do this. Let's do this exercise. Tom, you mentioned what what I think is the easy answer: best Orange County hardcore band of the nineties. Tom said Ignite. Yeah. Patrick, do you def- dissent? Oh, because right, we're considering Unbroken San Diego, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else is in the competition? Because I like the chorus record. There's Eyelid. There's Adamantium. Yep. 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 There's, you could uh, you could put chorus instead. Instead, did a record in the '90s that I would. Yeah, is instead whack? Because I feel like I think of Bonds of Friendship, and I think that's a good record. But is it not? Some people really like them. I don't want to say they're whack. They never did it for me. And you know, like I say that as a card carrying fan of Unit Pride and and a lot of like straight edge bands who are on the more positive side of things, but instead never did for me. That said, if you put on what we believe 
or bonds of friendship, I think you can find some stuff that that's cool. And actually, I think if people like bands like the first step or mindset, one of the first records of that style they should check out is what we believe, which is instead okay. LP on, on epitaph. I've threatened this for years on this podcast and I have not done it. I have not gone back and listened to the current by outspoken. I really liked this record when I was a kid. And I did too, actually, every time it comes up, I say, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I I really liked that record as a kid. I'm going to go listen to it again. And I never do. Wait, when did the strife record come out? Are we still talking about the nineties or am I can strife strife came out in the nineties, but strife's from, um, uh, from thousand Oaks, thousand Oaks. Yeah. Westlake village, thousand Oaks. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say, what's that, what's that considered? I don't know the geography. That's, um, that's north of the valley. It's it's not. I don't know if it's even L.A. County out there. Um, in, yeah, Thousand Oaks might be in. Thousand Oaks is past where the Kardashians live. Um, but I think it's still. Is it still L.A. County? It's no. It's Ventura County. It's the start of Ventura County. So they were. I mean, by the time they were adults, they all moved to L.A. But T.O. is uh, is Ventura County. It's the first kind of. One of the first way stations. It's right past Calabasas. Kardashian, Kardashian. hardcore. Exactly. KKH. I'm go- so, okay, so I'm going to go chorus with with the asterisks that outspoken might be my answer. Okay, so now moving into the 2000s, who's the best Orange County band from the 2000s? Fuck. Because this is where I think it starts. To, you have to start selecting from the OC metalcore stuff, right? Yeah, and this is where I'm going with Throwdown, who have one classic record that is unrecognized, versus some of the names that might get brought out here that I think Loki have no classic records. Go on. I'm going to go Carry On. Are we considered MOC? No, because they're all LA proper. It, Greg Bacon late was from Orange County for sure. Shout out to uh, shout out to to Fountain um, Fountain Valley Hardcore, um, but everyone else was either L.A. or Ventura County. Hold on, <laughs> I've got a question in line with Tom's. Is instead whack? Uh, is over my dead body whack? San Diego. No. They're San Diego though. They're San Diego. You're right. They're fun. I remember really liking the record, and I haven't revisited it in 20 years, so I couldn't say. Never did, dig it. Never did anything for me. But is 18 Visions Until the Ink Runs Out a record that people actually like? Yes. Yes. Do either of you think it's good or worth having the conversation about as one of the best bands from Orange County in the 2000s? I, mean, I think it's worth having that worth having that combo. But yeah, it's I, not. I it's not it's clear good. in your list. You're taking Throwdown over them, Tom. Yeah, I'd probably take Throwdown over them. Okay. So until the ink runs out, we are going to hear from many people who say that this is a hundred percent the the fucking record. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's why I bring it up because I knew people would. Yeah, they're going to point to who the fuck killed John Lennon, and they're going to say, "Come on, bro." And I'm going to say what I always say when 18 Vision comes up, which is, "Those Good dudes are still built." I'm going to let it live. That's it. <laughs> You're gonna go where the hits? No, no, no. I'm gonna say, you know, all of those dudes. I, I, every time that I see a photo of one of these guys, they still outweigh me by a solid thirty-five. So I'm just going, eh, okay. I mean, James for sure. 
Oh, we actually have a listener that that did. T- we have two listeners that did uh, did some years in the band. So shout out to them. Um, <laughs> did, did, we, did you say did time? Yeah. Well, like they were locked in. They were in a. They they were. Uh, they they you know honor the troops. They they did time. They did their uh, their run. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your. I story. like Throwdown because like the rest <laughs> of the dudes other than Dave are small. Yes, that's true. They've had other people in the band over the years that are pretty big. They had that dude, uh, Mark Mitchell, maybe, and then the dude from Canada, the drummer that they got, who's like a fucking, who was like almost like he was like Adam Patterson from from Hope Con's like little brother, fucking well, monster. Every goddamn band, if they go on long enough, has strong upper body drummer guy. Yeah, is that true? That's a fact. Yeah. What's going on with self-defense? I got fucking. <laughs> and if we go on, it's going to take a couple more years, but hold on. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the throwdown discogs right now. Yes. And, and <laughs> Put that on a shirt, someone. <laughs> and they're now no disrespect to throwdown. I think you've got a classic record. Um, they're down to three members. And there's 35 members crossed out. So are you trying to do that, that self-defense throwdown tour where throwdown plays as a three piece? You know what? (laughs) We could definitely fill this band out. If, if they want to go out together, we could, we could do double duty on some members. Uh, I, this is just a crazy list. And also Keith Barney, no longer in throwdown at all. Come on, Keith, get back in. No. According to Wikipedia, they're down to two. Oh wow! Okay, yo, we so they're on a full like iron. Is it Iron Lung, the two two piece kind of vibe? Yes. I'm with it. Throwdown songs done in the Iron Lung style. I'm I'm fucking here for it. And here's my closing statement, which is a weird one. And if we have some Orange County listeners, please educate. I think the 2010s were a downtime for Orange County hardcore. I can't think of a single younger band who went out and really made their mark. I think that we saw... Uh, hello, Avenged Sevenfold, bro. Oh, wait, Seven X, of course. Fuck. I, I'm sorry. I know the Grove is cool, man. Like, I get it. Like, you can do the Grove to the Irvine Spectrum, and the whole world is there. You don't need anything else. But we haven't seen an OC hardcore band make a mark in a minute. What, Tom, would you take a look on the Discogs? What is this record this throwdown record from a month ago. <laughs> is it confused or it, no, a, did that, you know what they might've just, didn't they just do something? Um, it's a jock. I record, think they right? did something with indecision. Yeah, oh. Okay. It's indecision and jock and it's, but is it a, is it an old song? Is that the thing? I don't know. What, yes. What, I think anyway. it was an old song that was like never on anything. Uh, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a split seven inch with Poison the Well. It never happened. Can, do you guys not know how to look wow. at the notes on Discogs? It's right there. I'm, I'm not still open at Discogs. Come on, Patrick. Pat's 98 years old being like, where's this false idol thing over here? Yeah, I, no, listen, I'm, uh, I got to listen to this, everybody. <laughs> All right. So, yo, um, I actually, this was a super fun activity. Tom and Patrick, do you guys have any, uh, do you guys want to close with one? Because I actually want to do this again some point in the, the future. Because I have some more. I got one. Yeah, hit us. Which might be too long. No, let's do it. But, got, it this is a quick episode, so we got time. 
Okay. So we're talking about 80s, 90s, the aughts, the 2010s. Yep. Give me the iconic front person in each decade. Ooh, okay. Let's do this individually. Um, 80s. Okay. I've got mine. Yeah, me too. It's got to be HR, right? That was my answer. either HR or Rollins. Oh, good answer. Does Ian get in the conversation or does his limited time as the minor threat? But he does Fugazi and he's not totally the front man, but he kind of is too. Kind of is. But he plays guitar, it's different. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I put Ian above all these guys. I'm just saying for iconic. Like, yeah, I, I, think, like, I, think it's, I think it's HR and Rollins <laughs> is right behind him. Nobody. Right. We get no, like a, nobody. No Jello, no. No, here's why. Keith Morris? No. Nope, here's why. Milo? No. Nope, here's why. Milo? Nobody has had more photographs taken of them in human history than Henry Rollins. There's, <laughs> there's, there, seriously, there's presidents who have had less, there's less, <laughs> there's less photographic evidence of Jimmy Carter than there is of, of Henry Rollins. He was so, I don't want to, listen, we got a lot of photographer listeners. Let's call we it like it is. photographers. Yeah. Love them, but they're tasteless and they're drawn to things like shirtless, shirtless, built ish guy who it, it's just. It, if we can, look back, can we say this? You know, the meme society has evolved past. Sure. Society has evolved past Henry Rollins. Yo, I don't think you're I wrong. Mean, he's going to kill himself by being in every punk documentary, too. Yeah, that's fact. Him and Dave Grohl. It's like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Tom, continue your question. I think we we all settled on HR. Nineties, right? Okay. Yeah. What about the nineties? I think this is a little tougher. I got two. Okay. Let me think about this for a second. Um, yeah. Give me. Okay. Although you know, with eighties, no, I'm. Are we going back? To, can I go back to the eighties for a second? Go ahead. Two yeah. people that we overlooked. Roger. Yep. Okay. And Jimmy. Oh. Uh, J- Jimmy totally underrated, but again, not he can't compete to the. To he the can't compete, map. and it, no, there's, no. there's some regional bias. I think that there's a seventy percent of the country we could show them a picture of Jimmy from yeah. peak era Murphy's Law, and they'd be like, "Who's that?" Doesn't matter. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Even many, yeah. Punks. even many punks. No, oh, yeah, true. many punks, <laughs> hundreds even. Nineties. Um, <laughs> Um, I've, I've got some early contenders, but I want to try to make sure I'm not. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I got Chaka. Okay. Yeah. Iconic front person. Okay. In okay. Orange Nine and in Burn. Okay. Um, how about initially I went 90s and I was in a 90s core state of mind. I was like Rick Rodney, uh, Carl from yep. Earth Crisis. I was like, oh, maybe Carl. Maybe Carl. Then I was like, what about Martine from Los Crudos? Uh, Absolutely. I've got one above above all of these. Let's hear it. Rick to life. No, come on. One Rick no, to listen, rule them all. Listen. Would you just stop? Let's stop. Listen. Stop. It's, stop not it. about, it's not about what's good or what anybody likes. Well, it's not I'm where you're from. That. It's where you're at. It's damn <laughs> money. I'm just saying that it is as far as things that people associate, I actually think that dudes like Rick or dudes like Tim VOD in their own way are more iconic because they, they 
exemplify the era in people's minds, if not in reality. Well, think about it does, but also think about how iconic Carl is. Yeah, but okay, because he had a look. His yeah. band got as big as any of those bands you mentioned. But but hold on, here here it, let, let me. I got an iconic one that we're overlooking. Hit us if we're talking about impact. Sean McCabe. Done. I'll go with that because I mean, here, dude, here's he was pre vampires before they were cool. So, hold on. so I'm going to go. Here's an interesting idea. Is there an iconic photograph of Dwid besides the promo photo mm. with the with the, eye, with the uh, clear lenses or the, the the white lenses? Is there an iconic uh, just the photo of him? Dude? No, the photo of him jumping in front of the bridge outside of the warp tour. Yes. The warp tour. Yeah. One. You're right. You're right. But it's not. It's you. You don't see his face. You know what I mean? Like, right. so, so this is an interesting phenomenon. Tell me if I'm wrong. Dwid. And in, te- in the capacity of integrity, but also Dwid is a fucking mythological figure in hardcore. It's it's gone away a bit. You know but, what? Dwid might be the answer for the nineties. But I don't. But here's right. why: there's no definitive picture because he was a yeah, myth, and there, there were pictures like there were myths of the nineties that were partially true. It's like yo, Dwid had an orange Youth Crew '88 shirt, and he threw it out into the crowd. He got it when Youth of Today played the tour through Cleveland. They were screening the shirts out of the back of their van. Da, da, da. Um, but there's no, like there's a definitive HR photo, yep. you know, right. There's like, there's a definitive, whatever photo. Like yep. there's no, like, there's I don't no, know if there's a, well, there's, there's a, the Sean McCabe photos. There's some, but like, I think there's people who like Ink and Dagger who don't know Sean McCabe. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably true. Which is a weird thing to say. Not true. I think he had an impact. I mean, if we're thinking about icon, definitely had an impact. Because someone that like I would name Mm -hmm. that had a huge impact on hardcore that like I I guarantee both of you guys would be like at first, but then if you really think about it, fucking Candace from Walls of Jericho. Oh yeah, I'm I so for 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 female representation in hardcore. Mm -hmm. Also, they were her in the late '90s and on. Okay. Huge impact. Let's talk about it. So Tom sounds like he capes for Walls of Jericho because he's the only person in the world who has mentioned the name. I I like those early records. I'm not going to front. I I, I knew people who liked Walls of Jericho at the time, for sure. You know? For sure. But I also think that Tom's not wrong, that the band was ubiquitous, regardless of how I've never found much in them. They, they 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 were ubiquitous. They were on every fucking show that I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? And on those bigger like Hellfests and stuff, like they yeah. were one of like they were alongside the Poison the Wells and the Throwdowns. Like they Absolutely. weren't like Absolutely. curtain jerkers. They were up there. Absolutely. So and I think having someone like her up there was iconic for a generation of hardcore women. Oh, that might be true. Women identifying people, guaranteed. That might be true. Yo, think about who, who else is around that. Uh, Allie from Fast Times, but but that's but I mean not on that. No, level, exactly. Dude. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Is your scope is Ashes, right? But it, but yeah, there was there was nothing that went long. No, no. Uh, I mean, Ashes were early nineties too. Yep, Ashes were yep mid nineties really. Um, and now it's a good it, the nineties. Do we have a definitive? Like, I think I'm going to come down to Dwid. Because his tail, his tail is so long, and he had a mythology, yeah. and he's the only one, you know, like that. If you throw his name out, even people who don't love integrity 
Or like, oh yeah, Dwed. No, yeah, Dwed. Upside down pimp. Yeah. Um, Whereas like, I mean, Martin from Carl. Los Crudos, I, I, I hope everybody who's hearing this has heard Los Crudos. There's a 0% chance of that happening. But that dude was super important, did super important stuff, did Lengua Armada, went on, sang in Limprist. That said, there's still people who probably could walk by him at a show and go, have no idea who he is, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. 2000. It's Wes. I, I think it's Wes. There's, yeah, it's got to be Wes. Wes or Jake? Metalcore kids want to be Jake and do this. The, I'm freaking out. My hair's on. My head's on fire. Yep. And everybody else wanted to do the like, oh, I like Oasis. So here's yep. my question is two, twofold. Is just I've always loved Super Dragons. Okay, threefold. Sorry. Does Scott Vogel get any mention? He should. He should get a mention. Yeah, absolutely. Is Justice in this decade or the next? I think he's in the 2010s. Okay. Does Pat Flynn get notice here almost retroactively? Because Half Heart has obviously grown since then. Not to say they, they weren't gigantic in the late aughts, but now obviously they've they've grown some too. And and like yo fair yeah. fair terms, Wes has grown too. You know what I mean? Cold Cave's not some shrinking violet. Like more people know Cold Cave than An. Uh, that's an interesting question, actually. But, but Cold I've Cave has grown. You know what I mean? Cold Cave's doing like nine inch nails tours and shit. Exactly. Like they're they're doing all right. But I mean, I think in the, in the moment and even after, like it's hard to to argue against Wes's impact on. <laughs> Everything yeah. from visually to fucking lyrically to everything. Nobody wants the truth. Nobody wants my answer. Oh, let's I'm hear it. Sit. No, I'm going to. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Greg Mongo. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know if he's iconic. I love Greg Bully. I don't think he's. Here's what I think. He's been copied. Here, that's what I'm saying. I don't. Listen, I don't You're think that there's wrong. a single. I don't think there's a single iconic photograph of Greg Mongo. What I'm saying is he, Greg, Greg, the Mongoloids for our listeners that don't want to remember this. There was two bands. What's the other one from Maine? Help me out. Outbreak. Outbreak. Cruel hands. No. Uh, so, so outbreak and to a lesser degree, the Mongoloids are two bands that in their moment were as ubiquitous and visible as you could possibly imagine within our scene. And, when it went away, it went away harder than maybe people, maybe that maybe any of us would have expected. We've talked about the outbreak phenomenon before. I think Mongoloids falls into the same realm. Uh, they I, did do a last show that was nuts. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, look, people like people had people had a good time at Mongoloid shows. I don't know if people are honest about this fact anymore. But people, I I was not a fan of the band. I saw them and I was like, this is the best worst hardcore band I've ever seen. They were, they <laughs> were terrible, great, and and I enjoyed the shit out of it, and I am a fucking critic, man. I I when I'm watching a hardcore band, I am thinking about everything that they're doing wrong. I can't even watch hardcore with an open mind anymore. <laughs> so like, for me to watch Mongoloids and go, yo, that is a perfect disaster zone, like the, it, it, it's fucking great. Like I think that Greg the the way he performed on stage and the the attitude and this is going to sound crazy but bob i think can back me up on this his fucking clothes which 
which forget the mongoloids ridiculous shirts greg himself was a low-key ridiculous human being and i think that it had some energy around it am i wrong or am i right you don't yeah you don't speak falsehoods you might be like exaggerating for the sake of for entertainment purposes but when i say that the you're best not wrong. Band time, you're saying that i'm not 100% accurate i i'm saying there might be a pinch a dash of of hyperbole but that's okay that's what we're here for all right um who's the 2010s then 2010s got so so it was yeah we we said it's it's h on the the rushmore it's hr dwid Greg Mongo and and who's the twenty tens? <laughs> I mean, I feel like twenty tens have a lot. I think um, Justice is a great one. Justice, Justice is right in there, man. Justice, um, I think Walter. Oh, oh Walter from Rotting Out, sure. Rotting Out, I think. Yeah, well, Walter, yeah, Walter's in the conversation for sure. Um, um you got to go, fucking Brian Knocked Loose is a pretty mm-hmm. iconic look. You know what I mean? Like, there's a ton of fucking sick photos. Um. Wait, hold on. Before we get too far, I'm gonna go in Reba. Is Reba a front person? No, uh, it's, it's a matter of debate. But you, I so let's secondary go with vocals, that. right? Well, she's, I mean, sometimes she's lead. That's true. Yeah, that's she true. Does a lot. She does a lot of fucking singing on the new records. Um, and I think she's pretty iconic for a whole nother generation Different group. Yep, for sure. Hold on. Before we go any further, do you think Pat Flynn has worn a polo shirt? On stage, yes, a polo like a golf shirt, yes, like a proper polo, like a proper. I work no, I, Best Buy I would say no, either hardcore shirt or or like a a full button down. Yeah, that's he's, my question. He's worn full button downs that have like a gas station vibe. So I'm saying he's hit a polo here or there. Okay, right. at uh, the last show, his last, I mean the the original last show, that dude got up there like he just got out of class and he had like a like a blue like I wear these with khakis like. The, you know, your man cleans up nice. That's what he wore with like a fucking, like a red bolt shirt. <laughs> no, that's not- I have the DVD. I'm not a fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, there's many photos from that. Yeah, I've watched a DVD of of Morgato yelling at Garvey many times. That's pretty. Funny. Okay, so wait. Sorry, we're in the 2010s. Is that right? 2010s. Yes. Like, I, I, so I think I have to give it to Justice. But yeah. who who am I forgetting? Brendan Yates. Brendan Yates. Oh yeah, sure, sure. But I think Justice just you know, uh, the the continued work through, not just TUI but Angel Dust. I think it just puts him right up there. Um, we had actually a funny email where somebody asked us about Diamond Youth. Okay, yeah. which is a pretty funny one. The band who I thought would have been the biggest of everybody coming out of TUI, if we're being full fully transparent. Yeah, yep. which I'm pretty sure Diamond Youth initially started as a side project between TUI and Down to Nothing. Like uh, David Wood was initially in the early lineups of Diamond Youth. Um, yeah, I don't know what what I don't know what happened. I think Turnstile took over, and they were just like, "Oh, we'll just do Turnstile." But I remember like you like you had to sign up and you got like the EP or something with like the dog on the cover. Yeah, huh? Yep. I was like, "Yo, this is fucking. This is gonna be huge. It's like the next Jimmy World." And then it was like, and then gone. Sometimes it'd be like that. Uh, there's got who are other 2010s. Other 2010s. I mean, so you, neither of you has mentioned Jamie Morgan. Uh, True. No, no but, but I feel like he's a drummer, so he's less out front, even though he is the lead person, obviously. Yo, what about yeah. that weird swing yeah, around? Because he, yeah. Making the most of it with like 
you know, the mic stands and all that. Uh, yeah, so, he'll be good. Yeah, he could have 2020 pretty easily. Um, but who I don't know, 2010s. Um, I'm going, grown. going justice. Mm-hmm. Brandon Grown. I think Grown's, Grown's had some moments, some Jeremy video moments. Oh, Jeremy's an interesting. Wow. See, this would be a fun one for a bracket is Jeremy versus justice in a final. Very charismatic, high energy in completely different ways. Yeah. Interesting. I think I'm going justice, but Jeremy's a really, really good. answer. Really good. answer. Jeremy's right in there. Uh, Oh, hold on. Let me check. Let me, Check some dates real quick. Um, come up on he's trying to figure out when Drug Church started so he can throw us in this conversation. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm just thinking of the 20. Uh, I think I'm thinking of the 2000s. Never mind. Go on. I think that's it, guys. I mean, what about Kinlan? I think he's pretty iconic. He's mm-hmm. iconic, but he's not. In, he's not in the conversation with some of these dudes. Wait, wait for this next uh, decade. We'll see if I. I, I, Fra- I mean, is self defense Kinlan more iconic? Frank? Than drug What's Frank done? Frank. What's Frank done? He's singing now. You know, I had, <laughs> I had a conversation with my parents today because we we're talking about my potential move to Australia, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, and, yes. And, and my what father. And my father was saying. Oh, so you're not gonna you're not gonna be around? And I said, well, I still will be touring the United States quite a bit, as uh, as it's uh, almost impossible to make a living uh, touring Australia. But I said, uh, I said also, how weird is it that I just outlasted all of my peers? Like that's all there is to whatever small, tiny measure of success I have was just out, just. Just outlasting, you know. Yeah, this is where your mom is like, yeah, you know, um, I really thought that uh, that Achilles had longer longer legs than they did, and your dad's like, yeah, you know, those aficionado kids seemed like they had a thing going locally for a minute, but just it just broke apart. Yeah, (laughs) deep conversations (laughs) with your folks. Good job. About after the fall, yeah, I outlasted everybody. The twenty the twenty twenties belong to me. That's what I'm saying. Now, do you think who's more iconic? Self-defense, Patrick? The like, did I leave my stove on face, Patrick? That one. Or the like jittery, I just had a fucking Trenta latte from fucking Starbucks drug church, Patrick. I think there's two different you are two different human beings. Just how Justice has had two incarnations, you have two incarnations. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say the self-defense one is 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 way more polarizing. Because some people just fucking hate watching self defense. You're like they're like, did I leave the <laughs> oven on? <laughs> well, forget my limited uh, vocal ability. I think that there's just uh, it's just off putting to some people. Whereas well, because you look like you're trying to do math, like uh, like high like high level math in your head, I'm and it's awesome for the music because it makes sense. I'm but drug church is a little bit more like you're just bopping because it's fucking the music is a lot more up tempo. Yeah, which I think is probably more fun for a lot of people, but it's not. It's it doesn't sear into your memory necessarily. Party rockers, in the but who's more tonight. iconic? Yeah, it's it, well, I th- I think probably uh, whatever our listeners will tell us. They'll, and what they'll tell us is stop talking about Patrick's bands, you fucking turds. But you know, who also we forgot who dude from Ceremony. Ross. Oh, yeah, Ross. Of course, Ross yeah. deserves mention in both the aughts and the tens. 
let's not forget Lee. Like, I think he had different vibes for both. Yeah. And Lee from Trash yeah, Talk. That's, that's a good question. That's a good one. True. Was are those both more twenty tens? I mean, twenty tens is also ten years ago. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what? We we aren't mentioning uh, Damien from Fucked Up, who had a moment where he was so iconic. He's on the cover of fucking Spin magazine, singing singing like John Brandon in a hardcore band. You know, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, okay. A hundred percent. He's in the conversation. Yeah. Should be. Um. All right, yo. This was a fun exercise. We're gonna do more of this. Uh, ageless yes. questions and different ages. Thank you. Good night. Thank Good you. Night.